Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. I want to talk to you today about secret angels. Now, I've been preaching on angels since 1980. If my arithmetic is right, that's 41 years. So I do know a few things. But I'm going to, I've rearranged this message quite a bit to just speak to you today. Listen carefully because I want to have a prayer line if you need it. If you, if you don't need it, just, you know, when that comes out, just get in faith with the rest of us for those who come to get what they need. See, that's what Jim was talking about. We're covenant people. You know, that's the way we function. Uh, you know, so we're just talking here about some things that are going to help us. And I'm going to talk to you about secret agents. You know, uh, you know, I said that by the Spirit. I don't know how many years ago I made that comment about secret agents uh, or secret service or agents, you know. And they protect our president. I was alive when they tried to kill um, Reagan. And the Secret Service got that guy on the ground real quick with the gun. And one of them got hit with a bullet protecting our president to get in the car. And they still shot him. Didn't kill him. But I'm sure if that secret agent had not been paying attention, he'd be dead. He wouldn't have finished his term. I was here when they killed Kennedy. I was alive when they killed Martin Luther King. I was alive when they killed Robert Kennedy. (laughs) And they would have killed a lot more of them if they could have. But the Secret Service is people that just are geared that way. If they're in a crowd, they're not, you and them are just two different beings, and me and them. You know, unless you're looking around and you know what you're looking for, you know what you're looking at. Right. <laughs> you know. And I've seen people before sometimes in crowded situations, Secret Service take that arm off that, the president and bend that back and leave him alone. You, know, you don't get that close right now. But there's reasons for that because we've got a lot of nuts. And a lot of weird people. And a lot of mean people and evil people. Some people are just flat mean, period. But the devil accelerates that in some people and makes them real mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you can be forgiven for things, but that doesn't resolve it fully what you did. You could get forgiven. It's just listen to what I'm saying. I got the balance on it. But let's talk about this today because this is so important. Let's go to Hebrews. You wouldn't think I could get anything else out of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, but I did. I thought I'd milk that puppy dry. You know what I mean by that? Got all the goodness out of it that I couldn't. Looking at 44 translations and, you know, just being real. When you're a person that thinks like I do about a subject, you pretty much look at every nook and cranny. And sometimes every little word. So let's, let me read verse 14 to us. Uh, verse 13 and 14 will help us here. Uh, but to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now God didn't say that to the angels. He's making a comparison between the angels and Jesus. But then he goes on to say, are they, referring back to the previous verse, are the angels, are they not? That's what they are, all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. And I'd like to move it forward a little bit to those of us who are heirs of salvation. That was written 2,000 years ago. I'm not trying to be that. That's what I am. And I didn't earn it either. I just received it. I didn't do anything. I just said yes to Jesus. I was a burnout drug addict when I got saved, so I know what I'm talking about. My brain was fried. My body was diminished. I was a pretty rough-looking person. I'm pretty skinny, shooting dope, you know, from three years speed. It reduced me, just like all the things the devil does. But anyway, so we're talking about angels, and verse 14 is a key to get us launched here. It's our foundation scripture. Are they the angels? Are they not all ministering spirits? I want you to think about that. They are ministering spirit. They are in the prime, in their normal habitat, they're spirit beings. We're spirit beings too, but we have a physical body. They don't. They can change into, <laughs> I could say it that way, uh, look human, because I've met a few that were, later proved out they were angels. And Pastor Johnny Simons, he's got a story that just make your hair stand up. 
he was he was driving along and the guy was hitchhiking. The guy got in the car and said, you know, Jesus is coming soon and started witnessing to him. And he, he was saved, of course. I think Johnny was, Pastor Johnny was saved. He said, let me out right here at this exit. Well, he left and dropped him off, but then he just went down the road. But he got about a mile down the road and he said, I'm going to go back and talk to this guy a little further. And he turned around, came back, and where he lives, some, some exits are full of stuff, but some are, there's nothing there hardly, just land. So he goes back to the exit where the guy got out, and he got off that exit, and he looked and went several miles every which way, and he had disappeared. I've known of other people that have had that. And then the guy looked like a man, talked like a man, talked English. You know, I'm sure if he showed up in another country, he would have talked their language. But anyway, we're just talking about some things here. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth? And this is the main thing I'm talking about today. I'm going to take some side trails here in a minute. That they've been sent forth, and they've been sent forth by you. Not God. God's already charged his angels way back in the beginning. I haven't got time to, you know, I've been preaching this a long time. I'm going to say some things today I've never said before. But I want to say something to you, you know, and I preached in 1995 for 15 Wednesday nights in a row. How many were here with me during that time? Every Wednesday we preached for one hour at least, and probably back then I was preaching a little longer because I've condensed a lot of things the older I get. You don't think so, but I do. Uh, and, uh, you know, and that was 95. I mean, how much more do I know than just what I've learned plus what God knows? And he knows everything about everything I'm talking about. He understands that other world. He lives there. He lives there. And I live in there with him, but I'm not as smart as he is yet. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we're talking about, and this is going to mean something to you when we get done. And I'm not going to embarrass anybody by asking you, did you get up this morning? I wondered if anybody got up this morning and released their angels to help them today. As I did, don't raise your hand. You don't have to. But I hope this encourages you. It doesn't embarrass you. doesn't shame you. But my God, you've had a man of God here for 40 years almost teaching this stuff to you. I would just think we'd grab a hold to it. And it is a... It is a life-changing event. Yes. I've had my life spared more than once from the, for the, because the angels interrupted what was going to happen. Yes. So I'm just talking to you here. And if you'll release them, they'll work for you. Now, here's something else to think about. We're just getting started in verse 14. The verse 14 there in the Amplified Bible, which, in my opinion, I went to seminary, I had to take Greek, da-da-da-da-da, I'm not bragging, and not toting my own horn, I didn't want to do it. It's got eight tenses in the Greek New Testament, in the Greek language, period. And so it's a major undertaking to learn Greek. And I'm not a Greek scholar, but I did learn some things. And I found out the Amplified Bible, in all the years I've been studying, is point on in the New Testament to anything the Greek New Testament says. It, it's not maybe as precise, but it's right there on the edge of precision. So, you know, that's important to know too. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Amphi Bible says about verse 14, these angels are, they are helpers, they're assistants to us. They're an assistance to us. Now, I just hate to get to heaven and God say, why didn't you take, why didn't you use the assistance I put in your life to help you, Michael? Well, I didn't know about it. Well, didn't you have a Bible? Uh, yes, sir. You didn't read it? Evidently not what you're talking about. See, I'd hate to get embarrassed because I didn't pay any attention. And then, then if it's you, God's going to say, I sent you a man that I trained in that realm to teach you about the other world, both deliverance and angelic, demonic. <laughs> so just remember that. If he brings me up, I'm off the hook. Now, listen, I'm not selling my books to you today. I have them for sale. If you want to buy one, call the office and they can hook you up because there's a lot more information that I don't have time to even get into with you. And I've thought about doing a revision, but then I'd end up with 500 page book like I wrote originally. And most people aren't even going to read a 90 page book. I realize that. So there's no purpose for me to do that. If people are not that interested in it, then I guess they'll do without it. You know, not being mean, just trying to help you. You have insight into it that I've already studied that it put you in hand to help you understand the basics. 
Some people are trying to raise, you know, raise a 10-story on an empty lot. You haven't even built the basement yet. Well, think with me here. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm trying to help you. If you get a hold of this, that you are in control of the angels that are assigned to you, not God. Get over that. <laughs> He's in heaven. He's not doing anything down here unless you ask him to do it. But with the angels, he's already put in them what you need from those assigned to you. I'm talking about personal angels. You can call them guardians, or I call them personal. I like that better, (laughs) you know. And I'm pretty sure that when our presidents retire from whatever you call that, they still have some of the same agents, or they change them out if they retire, and put new agents with them because somebody kidnap them, shoot them full of dope, and get a lot of stuff answered that nobody's going to tell you. Unless you're the president. <laughs> How many are listening? Anyway, so it's protection. That's the whole thing I'm talking about is protection and deliverance and healing. Now, let's here's another verse here. This same verse, rather, 14 from the Weymouth says they're a benefit to us. The angels are a benefit to us. You know, if you went anywhere to work, you'd ask them. I mean, even a third grader. If you only went to school to third grade, and I'm not making fun of that. Some people have and become geniuses. But the point I'm making is you're going to go work for somebody. You're going to say, well, how much are you going to pay me an hour? Uh, what's my schedule? Do, I have, do you have any health care here? And if so, what is it? Does it include dental? Does it include eye stuff? Does it include da-da-da-da-da? And you would be interested to know that. And if I work overtime, what does that mean? Nothing? Or it means something, like financially. Because you're interested in that. If you're honest, you'd say yes. yes. Yeah, but anyway, because yes. we want to, we want to get out of what we put into what's available to us. Yes. You're not, you know, you're working, you're earning it in that sense. But some companies have oh, huge programs that help their employees, and some have very little, if any. Yes. You get hurt, well, we'll see you. Yes. They don't want to pay nothing. <laughs> I could play with that, but I'm not going to get it out of the box. I'd kick it all around all day here. Anyway, now, so we found out they're a benefit and they're an assistance. They are assistance to me, they're assistance to you. I want you to take this as personal. Don't be thinking about your wife or your husband or your grandpa or your grandmother or your aunt or your uncle or some other person. I'm talking to you today. Everybody that's here is human and you are in the earth, you're sitting here listening to me. You have at least one and several probably angels assigned to you, but one primary angel that runs everything concerning your life, not my life, not her life, not his life, your life. You need to get this. And if you'll get in the plan for God, they will help a great deal for that. Now, this is the new part that I thought I'd studied this out and exhausted it on verse 14. I could go on and on and on, but... I felt led recently, in the last few weeks, to study on this word ministering. Are they not all ministering service? I felt like there was something in there for me and for us. So, first of all, I have a small Webster's dictionary. You know, uh, Mr. Noah Webster was a very committed Christian. And I think it was Pastor Alvin and Victoria. They bought me, which is what I wanted uh, way back. I think they bought it to me. It was... 2007, it's his original dictionary, it's about that thick, and he gave it to me and wrote on the inside to me a very sweet note. So I looked at my regular Webster's and I found out this, that word ministering there means to give aid or service to the sick. Now you know if you were like me, you know what I mean, I mean this in the right way, I have a healing anointing, a healing endowment, and if I don't get my hands on people and I don't minister to the sick, I'm going to go home and be with the Lord sooner than I want (laughs) because I'm going to be disobedient. I'm not worshiping the devil, but I'm disobeying him that ordained that for me. If he didn't ordain that for you, you're not responsible. You are responsible as a believer to lay your hands on the sick, anointing or no anointing, and just release your faith, and they will recover. That's where you start. Where do you start? You start at the beginning. You're not looking for a big ministry. You're not looking for to be notarized. You're just trying to do what God told you to do. And you've got to get over all what goofy people think about it. I'm not on some ego trip. 
A lot of this I told God, I don't want to do it. He said, it's either that or else. You're going to be in trouble with me. Do you understand me, Michael? Yes, sir. And about my hands, he corrected me three times in two years. He said, I don't want to ever have to deal with you again in the earth while you're in there. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. And I started crying. I tell he was he was hot. He's not trying to punish me. He's trying to get me to use what he put in me to help humanity. It's not something I have because my name's Jacobs. It's not something I have because my hair's going back. It's not something I have because I know my Bible, a little bit anyway. It's because he put something in me that was special, primarily what came from Dr. Dufresne and what was in me from birth, according to Jeremiah chapter 1. Of course, I was just dumb as a rock back then when I was born. I mean, to spiritual things. That has to, you have to learn those things. It comes piece by piece. But I never thought that word ministering to give aid or service to the sick. And the Greek word there, it means to function publicly as a benefit. And I don't know if any of you remember this. Now we had a guy in this church named Larry. I won't mention his last name. He was in a bad accident, fell off a tractor-trailer truck, broke all the bones in both feet, both ankles, had pins and bolts and screws in his feet. He did two years of rehab. They gave him some boots of honey kicking medicine, which if I was sick, that's what I would get, brother. I'm not going to play with you. I mean, if I'm in pain, give me, what you, give me the best you got. Unless God tells me not to take it. <laughs> I know there's some stuff that could do that. Because I had a virus attack my brain one time, if you remember, and I was out for two weeks. I mean, I was alive, but I was out. I don't remember using the restroom, don't remember... Don't remember eating anything. I don't remember anything about those two weeks. So when I got out of that situation, God healed me. I said, Lord, I want those two weeks put on what I already talked to you about when I want to go home. That age plus two weeks. The devil stole that from me. I want it back, Father. He said, we can do it. I said, thank you. Why not do the devil that way? You know, he just was frustrated about it. The devil, I laughed at him. I could tell he's frustrated. I don't know about you. I like, to, I like to get the devil back, not people. I like to get the devil back because he's been the main root of every problem I've ever had in my entire life, all of them. Anyway, back to Larry. Larry fell off this truck. He's doing, he's had, I don't know, I forget now, seven or eight surgeries. He's been in rehab, and he's a big guy, kind of a strong-looking guy. You know, I don't know anybody here that's built exactly like him. I don't know. I don't see anybody built exactly like him, but he was a pretty healthy-looking guy. He was an ex-bodybuilder. He'd been shot, been stabbed. I said that one time, and he was a bodybuilder, and I, he was not like me, and my wife started laughing. Bodybuilder? You're not a bodybuilder. That was a joke. Well, you meant shot and stabbed. Yeah, I, well, I wasn't shot or stabbed, but he was a drug dealer and all that. Anyway, long story short, i got to wind this tighter. Getting heckled from the congregation. Anyway, he was a stout-looking guy. I'd hate to be in the back alley with him if I wasn't, he wasn't on my side. But he, this is the way he walked when he saw my wife. He came back to town after his accident eventually two years later. And he's just walking, and he's grimacing. Every step he takes, he's, he's frowning. And he tells Diana what I just told you. And he said, he's had all this done. And he said, still, I'm in so much pain, you can tell when I'm walking, I can barely put my weight on my feet because that's where all the damage was. He has a card that says, I'm going to set your alarm off at the airport or the school because I have so much steel in my feet and my ankles. Well, she said to him wisely, she was out eating dinner, Larry, why don't you come back to church? I like this about her. She said, we're not mad at you. You know, just because you left and been gone two years, I'm adding all that. She didn't say that. That was his M.O. But she said, come on back. You know, Michael, she's talking about me. She normally doesn't call me doctor around the house. Just take the trash out, will you? (laughs) Go check the pool, will you? All right. You think I'm teasing. I'm not teasing at all. (laughs) You're going to get banned if you keep it up, my lady. No, I know you want to retaliate, but I don't want to go there with you because you're pretty good at sparring verbally. (laughs) 
Anyway, Larry, she said, why don't you come back? You know, Michael's got anointing for bones. Maybe, you know, the Lord just used that. I don't know, but why don't you come back? You still need God, whichever way. He showed up, and he'd been there about seven weeks, and I was up preaching one day. We had the steps here then all the way across, and, and I got up, and the Lord said, call Larry up. I'm going to tell him I'm going to fix him. Larry, come on up. God said he's going to fix your feet. He's going to heal you completely. Come on up here. He's obedient. It seemed like it took him forever to get up here. And uh, he's about halfway back where Jackie's husband is sitting back here in the blue coat. He got up here. I laid hands on him. He fell out immediately. And I said, well, and internally, I said, well, what do we do now, Lord? And he said, well, tell him one of the angels that work with you in your healing ministry is going to take you. I said, the Lord said one of the angels working with me is going to take care of this. Let's just watch. We stood there, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds. One leg came up. Now, I could see the angel. I don't think, know if anybody else did that day, but you could see his leg if you were in the front where you could look over here. His leg just came up like that, and somebody twisted the, the ankle bone like that, kind of twisted like you'd be in rehab, and pulled it and laid that down. Same thing with the other, laid it down. He laid there another 30 seconds. When he got up, he went back to his seat like this. <laughs> and then within a month, he was jumping up and down. I finally let it give him a mic until they said, won't you tell people what's happened to him? Well, da-da-da-da. He was totally healed. Totally healed. And the angel did it. And here's what I'm saying back to this comment here. It says in the Greek word, it says uh, ministering here in Hebrews. Uh, in fact, in the other Webster's, the big one, he has, he, Noah Webster, he had the scriptures out by the definitions. I looked at the big one this morning and it said Hebrews 1. I'll give you more definition on that, but it, part of the definition of the Greek word means to function publicly as a benefit. So he did that publicly in front of anybody that wanted to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I remember a lady in our church, I won't mention her name, but this is many years ago, she had an eating problem. She had uh, anorexia, is that one of them, and bulimia, that type of stuff. And you know the devil will make, the devil will make you goofy. Very normal-looking lady. She wasn't heavy. She wasn't thin. She just was a nice lady. But she thought in her head she was about this big, and she was just a just an average, normal woman. But the devil told her, you got to wear a size 2 or something. I don't know what he told her. But she's sticking stuff down her throat to vomit, and she's taking pills to help. You know, just... And I called her up, not even knowing what was wrong with her. I said, so-and-so, come up here, I want to pray for you. I laid hands on her over this area of the sanctuary that day. And other people came too, but this was just a dramatic moment. And I laid hands and prayed, Father, fix this. I didn't even know what I was talking about, other than by the Holy Ghost. You know, my spirit knows things my brain doesn't understand. it do you good to realize that too. What you're running on is up here, and it's getting you in trouble. because, And not necessarily an evil person, but you're just so brainy. You're just in the natural all the time. God doesn't live in your brain. He can use your brain to help you, but he doesn't live. He doesn't speak to me up here. He speaks down here. So I prayed for her, and, and I walked away. I knew God had done something, and I got about 12 feet away. He said, turn around and look. I turned around and look, and there was an angel. She was standing here like, you know, maybe a foot from the altar like this, and that angel's pulling something out of her stomach. And I can't tell you what it looked like. It didn't look good. Let me just say that without being too graphic. It didn't come out of her top up here. It didn't come out of the lower abdomen. It came out of her stomach. And he was, this angel was cleaning out stuff. And there was a big pile of stuff on the floor up here when he got done. You know, that I saw. You understand that's all in the spirit. <laughs> and, I, you know, I went home that night and said something to my wife and my daughter. Well, we were having a sandwich, and I said, you know, I ministered so-and-so tonight, and this is what I saw. And my daughter started crying. She said, well, didn't you know she struggled with bulimia and anorexia? I said, no, I didn't know. Nobody told me that. But God took care of it. And that's been about 20 years ago. See, see I'm still working with you on this thing here about um, to function publicly as a benefit. And I would like to add this in view of what I'm talking about to benefit others that could learn. And there's things like that's happening all the time that you don't see in the Spirit. That does, listen, this doesn't make me special. 
And I wouldn't even talk about it unless the Lord get on me. He got on me when I was 60. That's almost 12 years now. And he said, I, you go, I want you to talk more about what you see, not just what you preach. And I said, I'd really rather not do that. Well, why? I said, well, I've already, people beat me up verbally and get mad at me and act goofy. And some of them are just critical over what I preach. And I'm just preaching your word. And then you want me to tell them about all the intimate things I've seen? I don't want you to tell them all of it. I want you to tell them the ones I tell you to tell them about. I said, well, I'd rather not do that. He said, well, it's either that or, it, or else. I said, I'd be glad to do that. Thank you. <laughs> now, is God heavy? Is he a bully? No, but listen, he's trying to keep me out of dying young, out of my resistance to him. You want to resist, you resist the devil. Resist the devil till he can't walk. He can't breathe. You've got a bag on his head, a cellophane bag, and you're choking him to death. That's what you... Brother, this is the deadest group I think I've ever preached. <laughs> Debbie, Debbie Simons was up here preaching one time, and I was sitting in the back with her husband. I looked at Johnny. I said, she, she got the devil in a headlock with a glad bag over his head. Glad trash bag. She's smothering him to death. You can't kill the devil, but you get the diss. If you want to resist, resist all you want. Just resist the right person, the right one behind the stuff. All right. Anyway, praise the Lord. And then, then I was in Costa Rica a couple of years ago. I don't know how many years that's been. And there was a, the guy that invited me. Uh, his grandson was in one of my meetings. He was about 10 years old. And, and he, he was observing. He wasn't interfering with me, but he was looking to the side, and I was preaching on angels. And I told the story about the angel works with me that does lungs. That's all he's ever done. That's all. That's his assignment. Are you listening? Yes. You know, I have more angels than just the ones that bring healing. But I'm emphasizing, what am I talking about today? Angels and divine healing through my ministry. If it's somebody else, they could have angels and divine healing, but they may be different areas where they have expertise that I don't. And I may have things they don't. I'm not in competition with Joe Blow or Sister Susie or whoever we're comparing. No, we're not to compare ourselves among ourselves. My, part of my job, and I see why God dealt with me when I was 60, open that door and show them some of the things that you've seen so they'll know that's real. Yes. It's just as real as I'm looking at her or this pulpit. But it doesn't exist in these realms. So anyway, this young grandson of the guy that called me, I prayed for an elderly lady right before him, and I started praying for her. She was 80-something. She said, I've had lung problems all my life. And I said, and I put my hand on her head, and all of a sudden that angel came up. He's got, a, he's got fingers. You know, they, they have fingers and eyes and ears and the whole thing, okay? And he put his finger on her lung area, and he started erasing stuff. What it looked like was a, a gray-looking color in her lungs, which means there's some debris there. There's something wrong. Something's interfering with her breathing ability. But when this angel shows up, he's got this, I call it a laser. I don't know what else to call it. Maybe you'd call it something different, but just listen to me. It's like a white light that shoots out of this finger. And he just goes across the top of the lungs and just, like he's erasing it. And when he's done, it, it looks clear. There's no debris there. One time I saw it was black. Another, most times it's gray, light gray to medium gray to dark gray or different things. And I said to this lady, hey, that angel's here. He's fixing your lungs, lady. And she got upheeled. And then next in line was this little boy. He's 10 years old. Now, he's the way he's breathing. I'm not making fun. The whole time I'm preaching, when I notice him, he's not disturbing me, but he goes, <sighs> he kind of throws his head back, and it's a struggle for him to get the air in his chest. I go, <sighs> I'm not making fun. That's the way he breathes. The whole time I preached, that's the way he breathes since birth. I found out later. And, and I prayed for him, and I said, hey, Angel, whoever's boy this is, Angel's working on him. He's, he's fixing those lungs. They went home and ate lunch, and let's call him Jose. That's a good Latin name, you know, Latin America. He's over in the corner, and he's got about eight brothers and sisters. And Mama looks at him and said, what are you doing, Jose? He said, Mama, I'm breathing. <laughs> That's a big thing for him to be able to breathe without all the struggle. And that night she came to me, and she said, uh, Dr. Jacobs, this is my son. He's born. 
he's born that way, he had something wrong in deformity in his chest area, and it pushed down on things, and he's just fought for every breath since he's been on the planet. But he's breathing normal now. Now, that's a pretty big benefit <laughs> and a pretty big uh, to function publicly as a benefit. People that knew that boy knew that had to be God. I didn't fix him. I've just got an angel that works with me and knows how to fix things like that. Now here's, and I'm going to move ahead off of this verse in just a second. Could have given you a lot more things, but I tell you, you know, the people in some of the places in the world are so committed, and I know you are too, but this, this, I was in Costa Rica and this guy showed up. He's a pastor. Pastor Dennis was with me. I think Jacob was with me on that trip. I think, Jared, you were with me on that trip. Is that right? Anyway, I met this pastor. I don't know if you knew about it, Jared, or not. He came from Costa Rica, I mean Nicaragua. And I said, well, <clears throat> how'd you get here? And he said, you really want to know? Of course I want to know. I said, where do you pastor? I pastor in the, what do you call it? The jungle. He's in a jungle in Nicaragua. And he said, I got several churches, but... We had never heard what you're teaching. I said, well, I got books in Spanish. Get all you want. I'll buy you another backpack and take it home. He said, I'd love to. I said, well, how'd you get here? He said, well, I walked 10 hours through the jungle. Then I got on a bus for 17 hours from some city in Nicaragua and got off. And then I walked another four hours to get here. I said, I can't even get people to come to church and live 30 minutes. <laughs> I want to kiss your hand, brother. What kind of guy is that? A committed man. I mean, he's got several churches, and he's in the jungle. I don't think he's going to be on Fox News tonight or anybody's news, TBN or any of them. But there's a lot of men and women like that, just super committed and dedicated. You think, just made me want to cry talking about him. And he, he ministered to me about his dedication level. He said, I, I don't have the money to pay you. I don't want you to pay me. I want to give it to you to give it to your people and bless you. That's why I've had him published. So I looked in the big Webster's, and this is what it, it had a little more definition. Attending and serving as a, support, a subordinate agent. That's what the angel, angels, they're serving and attending as a subordinate agent. I'm going to give you the clue here. And then under that it said serving under superior authority, which is you and me. And then he had Hebrews 1 written out there. No Webster. See, they can't move without you. <laughs> you know, your angels, they're not listening to Diana, my angels. They don't listen to, they listen to me. And by the way, they've never talked back. What a refreshing deal that is. Wow. <laughs> Most people don't listen at all, but even some that do listen some, they obey, but they've never said, I'm not going to do that. I don't like you, Michael. They never said stuff like that. And they all call me Michael. <coughs> they don't call me doctor. They call me Michael. Anyway, just thought you didn't know. You're, they're serving under superior authority. And I know what you're thinking. You're naturally thinking, well, that's got to be God. That's not what that says. No, and, and I'll tell you something I've been reminding you of for about 15 years now. You're a joint heir with Jesus. So if Jesus couldn't get it done with them, buddy, you're sunk. No, you're a joint heir with him. You're on the same level of authority, not with all the angels, but the angels God assigned to you. You've got to learn to talk to them. Not smart aleckly, but talk to them, intelligent, talk to them the word. <laughs> yeah, praise God. Are we getting anything yet? Let's go back to Job chapter 4. What a What a... See, and I thought I'd gotten all out of Hebrews 1.14, I'd got, but I didn't, Michael. You see, I went back and did something different that time right. and thought like, well, I feel like I need to look those words up. I looked them up in the Greek, too. It's, I told you that, right. but I looked them up in a different, a different thing there, the Webster's. And then I realized, you know, of course, he's a very committed Christian, Noel Webster. And the bigger dictionary, he has the scriptures out by his definitions. Okay, I'm in Job 4. Let's look at this, verse 18. Behold, this is uh, Job's friends talking to him. Behold, he put no trust in his servants, and his angels he charged with folly. Now, now the Amplified says, and I have it here in my, <clears throat> my, my Bible, a little sticky tab. I put, this is what the Amplified Bible says, he puts no trust or faith or confidence 
in his heavenly servants. That's the problem with the body of Christ. We don't have any faith in them. See, when I started, this is what I started out to say. I'm not being cruel. I'm not being smart. Like I want you to listen to me carefully here. If you tell me you have faith in angels, and I were to ask you in return to that, well, when's the last time you saw them do something for you? Or let me ask that different. When's the last time you saw the results of them doing something for you? Well, uh, I don't know. Well, then you don't have faith in them. Doesn't matter if you tell me you have faith in them. If you don't ever see any results, then that would mean zero. (laughs) And And so God told me to talk to you about faith in these angels. And I'm telling you, they're, they're on the move with me. And they're on the move with people that are listening in the earth right now. There's a move on. I know it don't look like it. Brother Jim hit on it. You know, we're all consumed with who's wearing a mask and who's not. Does it make any difference? Really? No. Because no. you're going to live or die according to your faith. Yes. Let's get that straight. And I'm not telling you to disobey authority. Do what you need to do to live. But quit getting sidetracked by the race thing and the that thing and the other thing. Yes, They were persecuting my people a hundred years ago, the Irishmen, beating the tar out of them in New York. That's why they hired them to be policemen. They knew how to fight. But I'm not got my picket. What about the Irish? Now, I'm not making fun. People, we needed some, we need some reckoning in a lot of areas. I'm not putting that down. There should be a way to get equality. Just be a person like me would doesn't have a problem with color. That would cure everything, wouldn't it? And there's a lot of black people got a problem with me. <laughs> Not a lot, but some. Some were my sons, spiritually. And they left me to go hook up with the black men. Not because I did anything wrong, just because they got tired of me. That's not a good reason to leave somebody. <laughs> you got hurt feelings? No, it's not a hurt feeling. It's a thing that there's problems on both sides of the spectrum is what I'm trying to show you. Just deal with your life. How about that? Because you just... That's another thing. The angels aren't listening to you if you're in strife. I guarantee. If you're a mean person, you're a strifer, you're always shooting your mouth off about what you think about everything, you think I shoot my mouth off, you have no idea what I'd like to say sometimes, but I'm always controlled. I know you don't believe me, but I, you don't know me. And I'm not mad at anybody. I just like to. <laughs> no. Listen here. Here's the problem with. Here's the problem here. He put no trust or faith in his, in his heavenly servants. That would be the angels. That would be secret service for you. Oh, I don't know if I could do that. I'm, I'm afraid to do that. What are you afraid of? Quit being afraid and start getting in faith. If you have fears, and most people do, unfortunately, most people are ate up with it. Or they have a fear over here that begins to grow. And then it takes in more territory. If you don't deal with it as a baby, it grows up to be a monster. Fear. If you have faith in God and angels, they will take care of you and help you your whole life. I couldn't think of one incident where they failed me since I began to do this and understand them. Understand their role in my life and have faith in them. Not one. No. I was on an airplane one time, got on an airplane, just typical airplane deal. We go into some city, I forget where I was out in California, and, and the plane, we're going to land at an airport, and all of a sudden I'm by the window, and I look down, and there's grass, and I thought, well, we're missing the airplane, we're missing the, the runway. And all of a sudden the pilot jerked the go back, and people were screaming, ah! Ah! What'd you do? I just sat there. Because when I got on the plane, I read Psalm 91 to myself. I didn't read it to the whole first class or the whole airplane. Now, everybody listen. I want to read something here. You bunch of unbelievers. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. Somebody will throw their potatoes at me. But I'm not ashamed to pray and minister. I did pray for a guy to have an epileptic seizure. Nobody said anything about that. I didn't get any claps. I didn't get any jeers. I didn't get anybody giving me a hand signal that was inappropriate or cussing me out. Everybody just acted like I didn't say nothing. But I didn't whisper it. So the third people up in the third row won't hear me or whatever. I was in the back in a little airplane. 
And the stewardess got on and said, there's a man having a seizure. Is there a doctor in the house? Well, I want to raise my hand, but I want a medical doctor. So I waited a minute. She came by me. I tapped her. I said, I'm a preacher. I'd be glad to pay for this person if they'd like me to. She said, hang on. They want you to come. <laughs> and I went back, and he was next to the window. Bless his heart. He was you know, starting to slobber, and he's kind of banging his head against the window. I said, let me get to him. And I laid hands on him. I said, I command this thing to stop in the name of Jesus right now. And he stopped slobbering. He stopped being in a stupor. And his wife, you know, wiped his mouth. And I said, now, do you have a Bible to her? She said, no, but we're Catholic. I said, that's great. When you get off at the airport, if they don't have a bookstore at the airport, they might. Maybe whoever you're going to visit could take you to a bookstore. That's when they were popular. I can't find them anymore. Bible bookstore. But anyway, and get a Bible. And I'm going to go up and write some scriptures down to give you to read to him and you every day. Would that help? She said, oh, my gosh, thank you, Pastor, for coming. She was so sweet. You know, you Catholics believe in miracles. Hallelujah. Isn't that right, Paul? They sure do. And healing. Yeah, praise the Lord. So anyway, back to what was I doing? Though the plane, the people, I think they thought we were going to die. And then the pilot See, I put faith in my angels. I didn't just pray Psalm 91, then shut my Bible and say, well, I did my deal. You know, that's what I do. No, I, I believe it or I don't do it. Or if I'm wavering, I do it anyway to do it twice to make sure I'm in faith with what I'm reading of God's word. This is God's word to me. I mean, right at that moment, I'm not concerned about anybody else, but I am in a way generally for the whole of us on that plane that we'll all be delivered. And if I really thought we was going down, you bless God, believe I'd stand up and say, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. Everybody be quiet. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't think I wouldn't. And people were screaming, ah, we're all going to die. <laughs> I'd already prayed Psalm 91. I knew I wasn't going to die. Yeah. If the plane exploded in midair, I was coming down to my seat with an umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt about it. And, you know, and so he said, this is what the pilot said. It was a real deal thing. He said, I'm going to try this again. I'm thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> I need to get him delivered from trying. <laughs> he needs to be doing, not trying. I didn't say anything. I'm just, that's a thought. <laughs> so he tries again. We can't do it. So now we're running out of gas wherever we're at in the sky. He said, I got to stop over here and get refueled. And then we're going to fly up to San Jose, I think it was three hours away from where I was going to land. And I got off the plane. I called Pastor Johnny Simons. That's whose church I was at. And he said, hey, say hi to the congregation. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello, Dr. Jacobs. And Pastor Johnny says, we're going to send some driver to get you. He'll have your name on a piece of paper. I'm sending him right now. So I guess somebody on his staff went and called. And by the time I got my luggage, there stood a guy. Put me in a big Lincoln Continental. You hungry, sir? I sure am. Well, I can run you through a hamburger joint. That'll do. He drove me three hours, and I tried to pay him. Pastor Johnny came out of his house. I didn't know how to get to his house. You know, I knew where the church was, kind of. And he had directed him. He took me right into his driveway. They were eating after the meeting. And Pastor Johnny came out and paid the guy and took care of it for me. Such a deal. But what happened while I'm waiting for my luggage, there's a guy there. He's cussing. He is hot mad. What they're going to do, see, they're going to put us on a bus, and they say publicly, a bus with no bathroom, so if you got to go, go quickly, and then get on the bus. Courtesy, you know. <laughs> and the guy's cussing, and I said, sir, excuse me, were you just on the plane that was supposed to go to Fresno? Yes, sir. I said, I was on that plane. Why would you stand here and cuss? And be disrespectful. Are you alive or not? Are you, that's you, isn't it, right here? That's you standing here with your feet on the ground, right? Well, yeah, of course I, I said, I would be thankful that we're not somewhere else. And you have luggage to pick up. And he said, you know, golly, forgive me. I said, no, I don't need to forgive you, but it's just inappropriate language to just get delivered from a terrible accident that we got delivered from. And we're all standing here on the earth still, and we're able to go on with our life. I think that's pretty significant. Yeah, you're right. 
And instead of getting mad at me and punching me, he kind of submitted to the fact that, hey, you're still alive, buddy. I was just trying to be sweet, but I didn't want to hear all that. Blankety blank planes, rain, rain, and all that. He put no trust in his heavenly servants, and notice this, and his angels, plural, he charged with folly. You know what happens when you don't talk the word to them? Nothing. They will be out of your life. Now, they may not stay out of your life if you welcome them back and you do your best to talk right, function. You know what I mean, talk right. You know, you need to talk the Bible. When you don't talk the word, they, that's, they don't understand that. I mean, they can hear you say it. But let me say it different. You talk in line with the scriptures. There we go. Yeah. And I just get up every day and say, Father, I thank you for the angels that have charge over me today and my family. And then I go on and on. What do I mean on and on? Well, I mentioned my wife and my children, Jessica and Jordan, and then all the grandchildren. And then you, not all of you by name, but the Church on the Rock group, crew. And I thank you, Father, I release these angels to protect us today from all injury, harm, and destruction. I got that right out of the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 is the verse out of the Amplified Bible says that they can do that. They deliver us from all injury, harm, or destruction. So, And that saved me a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, it sure has. Now let me see where I need to go here. Let's go to Psalm 91. I'm getting short on time. I, I knew I was going to cut this, cut this off a little bit. Psalm 91. And let's begin. I think I had some notes here. Psalm 91. And let's begin in verse 10 here. Psalm 91. And Psalm 91 is a great passage to learn and study and go over every day of your life. Now, normally I don't tell you to read a whole chapter. If you've been around me 40 years, Dale, Dale, when's the last time you heard me tell somebody to read the whole chapter? Never. <laughs> so if you have any faith in, in, and respect for me as a man of God who studied the Bible for 50 years, I'm talking about something that will save your life here, change your life. And I don't know it all. Sometimes people ask me a question. I say, I don't want to think about it. If I figure it out, I'll call you. But if I don't, I'm not going to be ashamed to tell you, you know, I don't know the answer to that. You have to talk to the Father. He knows it. And if he needs you to know it, he'll tell you. And sometimes I've asked him, I've asked him, why did she die? And a lot of times he'll tell me because I knew them and I prayed for him. Well, this is really what happened behind the scenes that you didn't see. Okay. And a few times he said, that's none of your business. I said, that's fine too. So there was some business, but it was none of my concern. So it wasn't something I could have changed or turned. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember when my dad passed away and my good friend Doug. What a great friend he was to me in my life early on. And I was crying. I was driving to home. It was a three-hour drive to my dad. Uh, and then Doug was about an hour and a half. Two different events, a lot of years between them. And I was crying, and I was praying, God, I want to turn this, I want to turn this. And the Lord said, you ought to shut all that up, Michael. I know you're upset, but it's not going to turn. <laughs> it's not going to turn. And one of them, he said, because he didn't get in the Word. I love him, I love you too, but just a waste of your time to cry. You feel sad, go ahead and cry, but don't, you're crying, it's not impressing me. Your crying's not going to change it for him. He's coming home. You understand me? Yes, sir, I do. He's coming home soon. So you just do your best when you're with him to love on him, encourage him, and forget it. He's coming home to me. So, well, all right then. I don't know about you. You are looking at me like, does he really talk to you like that? Yes. And a lot of other things I'm not at liberty to tell you because, you know, then people get spooky around me. They think, well, he saw me, looked at me. I think he saw everything I ever did. <laughs> Well, then I'd live right if you thought that. <laughs> no, I only know what God reveals. And, and Jesus did too. That's all he could do. What, he said, I only do what I see my father do. I only know what my father's told me. Well, you need to listen to me. 
And you know, and you know, you don't always hit it. You don't always know when the prophet's seeing, and uh, because you remember, what was it? Uh, what's that guy's name? I forget. Anyway, Naaman that came to get healed, <clears throat> the Syrian guy the leprosy. He didn't even come down to see him. He said, "I heard there's a prophet living here that could heal me," and he sent his buddy down, his ministry of help. Said, "Go tell him to dip in the Jordan seven times." He was flat mad about it. That's a filthy river. My rivers up in Syria are much cleaner. And his lieutenant said, well, listen, Dad, if he asked you something hard to do, you would have done it. All he did is said, go down over here to the, to the uh, what's the river? Jordan. Jordan, and dip yourself seven times. That's not a hard thing. So he listened to his lieutenant and did it and turned up. His skin was like a child's skin. He had leprosy all over him, so it worked. And he came back to give him clothing, and here's the prophet now. I don't want anything for this. It's not a time for me to receive gifts. A couple chapters later, they bought him 40 camels loads of stuff. That's like 40 major 18-wheelers pulling up and say, Hey, Doc Jacobs, we got all this stuff for you. Okay, put it back there. <laughs> but at other times it was, no, I'm not taking that. Like somebody sent me a, you know, a check one time to try to make things do with the check. Huh? Make things right that lied about me, went around to the people in the church lying about me, ugly stuff. And I told Donna, turn it around, send it right back. And I wrote a little note, I'm not taking your money till you make it right. You can't buy your way out of this. Okay, anyway. So, okay, I'll get back. Slow down, slow down. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, so the prophet's servant, he found, he's heard the guy over say that, and he ran after him. He got down the road a couple miles where the prophet couldn't see it. The prophet don't have to be there to see it sometime. But anyway, he thinks, yeah, <coughs> my master changed his mind. He wants a couple changes of clothing, some silver and gold. And he went and hid it. And then he went back to see, I think it was Elisha. I don't know which one. But anyway, the prophet, he said, Where, where'd you go? And he said, well, I didn't go anywhere. He said, yeah, you did. My heart went with you. And now because you lied to me and you did something dishonorable, the leprosy that he had is coming on you. And it's going to be on your family, your family name. It's going to come right on down your family. You know, back in that day, people had respect or they hated you either one. They either tried to kill you or shut you up. But Wow. Are you with me? Okay, I just got a few minutes here. Look, Psalm 91. Read it in its entirety. I'm going to go over quickly here. Verse 10. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. Any plague would mean any sickness or any disease, wouldn't it? For or because he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep you in all your ways. Now, when it says his angels, let me clarify something. When I understood covenant back in 86, when I began to study my Bible on this term covenant, that means everything I have is his. If I'm a real legit covenant guy, that's why when Jim said people don't tie 3 or 4% average church, if that... I think that's even high, maybe. But anyway, said, I wonder what God's doing in their life. And I said, very little. Because your money is connected to your heart. It's not that God's up, he's got a debt to pay, he needs your money. Or that I need your money. But if you love God, and this is the place where you learn about him, and you are trained about him, and you find out how much he loves you, like he's given these wonderful beings, these angels to protect you and guard you and help you and you know, praise God. Yeah. So when it says his angels, he's their creator, we would say. God's their creator, but if he signs them to me or to John or to William, I got the right name, I don't know, my son's got all the names, <laughs> duplicated names for some of you people. And I was trying to pray for one, somebody up here a while back. I said, whatever your name is, just take it. <laughs> I couldn't place the right name. He's got a different name for people. Anyway. So these angels belong to me or you? Think, the angel is assigned to you. It'd be just like us going to the president's whatever at luncheon or dinner, and they said, everybody stand up, and they got your name on the roster, and they said, so-and-so stand up. Now you have this secret service guy with you. 
the stand-up next person, and the, you got secret service, and some of them, they may say, well, you get three or four angels because of your role in humanity. It's not because you're a special person. It's just this is what you need to fulfill what you need to do in the United States. It's the same type with God. How many are listening? You don't need 15 angels if you only need one. I mean, one of the angels in the Bible slew 185,000 men, men, and they were warriors in one night. I don't know any karate champion or anybody else, any kung fu expert or whatever you are, can do that. These are, these are mighty, valiant, courageous beings. They know how to take care of things. And I'm telling you, if you ever see one in its natural state of being, we might call it, in the natural habitat, which would be the spirit, you're either going to have to have huggies or faith. I've never seen any little puny looking ones like you get on a card from the Walgreens. They look like little fat beer bellied preschoolers. If I'm making you laugh, I'm doing it on purpose. You don't have to take your figurines out of your cabinets or your grandma's cabinet. She's probably got some and throw them on the floor. You just need to know that that's a joke. No, I'm not trying to do that to be funny. It sounds funny, but your image of things produces what it produces. You know, this, this guy's kind of famous. What's he called? The Rock? He's in that new movie with that uh, boat. Yeah, now he looks like a pretty sizable guy. I've seen him work out on a TV. I see a little ad. He's lifting weights. He looks like he can handle himself physically, muscular. I'd rather have him watching over me than Justin Bieber. <laughs> Just thought you'd like to know what I'm thinking. Now, see what that does to your mind, how you relate to that now? Yeah, praise God. Pardon, and it, Justin's a Christian. My wife won't be to tell you. I knew that. All right. He could pray for you. Huh? He could pray for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he could. He might, he might know how to do that. Praise God. So let me read this. See, I'm, I'm looking at verse 10 through 12 here a minute and maybe further. It says, uh, no harm will befall you. No disease will touch your tent your home and at the end of this verse 16 it says I will let him live to a ripe old age and show him my salvation one of these says I will demonstrate my salvation I will show him my saving strength my saving health rather verse 16 and on and on it goes here and there was something I was going to talk to you about just real quick just for a minute and I'm going to pray for people in Psalm 91 5 and 6 uh, this just got my attention. I've never heard of this translation, E-E-B-T. I'm not sure what that stands for, but do not be afraid of bad spirits at night or the arrow that flies in the day or illnesses that come when it is dark or something bad that may destroy you at midday. I thought about this bad spirits at night. If you have a problem sleeping... I'd like to pray for you today. And I would like to give you a verse to counter that. So it is in Psalm 1. Do you, can you get the Amplified up for me, 127? <coughs> Excuse me. I think it's verse 3 or 4. Uh, Psalm 127. I can give you the exact. Uh, I think it's verse uh, 2. Uh, let me see. Psalm 127. Verse 2, if it's the Amplified. I know there's different Amplified Bibles now, so some of them are, I have one back there that I brought today, but I didn't want to uh, see. Yeah. Now look at this. You think about things trying to make you not sleep well. Listen, take authority over that. Yes. Just, you just say, I take authority over that in the name of Jesus. Yes. And over any bad spirits. It is vain for you to rise up early to take rest late to eat the bread of anxiousness, toil, for he gives blessings to his beloved in sleep. And when I go to bed anymore, I say, Father, thank you for the blessings on Pastor and I, Pastor Diane and I, and Jordan and my family at sleep tonight. Yeah. 
And I learned that the hard way. I had a really bad dream several years ago, and it, uh, I reacted to it and hurt myself bad. Yeah, my knee got about three times its size because I fell. And that's the only time that's ever happened in my life. I said, I'm going to find something to counteract this real fast. fast. Anybody listening to me? Yes. Have enough sense that if you're in trouble, don't stay in trouble. Find the answer in this so that you can get out of the trouble. Yes. Yes. Or I could have just said, I plead the blood of Jesus. Right. But this verse came to me as I was studying about it. He gives his beloved blessings in their sleep. What a deal. I'm blessed in the day. I'm blessed in the night. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the country. I'm blessed at Kroger's. I'm blessed at Walgreens. I'm, ble I'm blessed wherever I go. Hallelujah. Now let's go back to Psalm 91 for just a minute. This is the, this is the uh, gauge I'm putting with it that would help us, I think, a lot. And I know how long I've been going. i got a clock back here. Psalm 91. This, see, sometimes we read things, but we don't read the fullness of things. And we get the answer, but then there's a condition to make. Yes, so here it is in Psalm 1, 2, and 3. It says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. I think we sang about it. It doesn't say it like that, but it says, what did we just sing there? Let me see. If this is what heaven's like, or this is a glimpse of heaven, I could get used to that. Well, yeah, but my point is, you need to be used to that. Not come once a month in a 15-minute prayer deal. That's not what that says. He that dwelleth, he lives, he abides, he stays close to the most high God. And if you start to drift away, which sometimes we can, our pressures push us away, or our own carnality pushes us away, do I need to elaborate? You do, you're trying to do things you shouldn't do, and you know you're being convicted while you're going there? Stop and say, God, forgive me. I'm running back. And then like you're sleeping around shooting dope, you could just hate your neighbor. That'll, that'll kill you. Hatred and resentment and bitterness. Yeah, but they did me wrong. I know they did. But listen, they're going to do you wrong your whole life if you think about it. And it's going to affect your family, your marriage, your children, and everybody around you because you stink. Spiritually, you smell bad. Sometimes I remember when I was a pastor, sometimes I'd see people in the foyer get around them. I don't know what they've been doing. No, I'm being serious. I'm not talking about a body odor. I'm talking about people that aren't right and trying to pretend like they like me. <laughs> and they've been talking about me. They smell different. They look different. They feel different to be around them. Thank you so much. Oh, that's all right, Doc. No, I'm trying to help us look at this. He that dwelleth. That, that's like a permanent thing. <laughs> you know when you get married... My wife and I love each other. I'm not trying to get out of anything. When she got sick, I was going to do everything I could to keep her here. And for her to fulfill her ministry wasn't just about me. I've been on limited time for three years now. I know what that feels like. And sometimes it don't feel good, but I'm not trying to get away from people. I'm trying to be where God told me to be and do what God told me to do. And it's because I want to do that, I can do that. Yes. And do it with genuine, sincere affection. Yes. How many are listening to me? Yes. You have to do that if you want to live. <laughs> and it says here, I will say, now verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, he's my fortress, He's my God, and in him will I trust. You need to be saying that every day. How often? As often as you want. As often as you breathe. <laughs> and if you go too long and you haven't thought about it a while, bring your Bible with you and turn it, stop, park the car for a minute somewhere, and get your Bible out and read it again. I'm sorry, Father, I'm going to say about you, you're my refuge. <sighs> you're, my, you're my fortress. Those are places of protection. Yeah. You're my God and I will trust in you. And surely he will deliver thee from the snare of the fowler or the enemy or the devil. 
and from the noisome pestilence, and he'll cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you'll trust, and his truth or word will be your, your shield and your buckler. There are just two different types of shields represented there. A big body shield that they wore or they carried, and then a smaller one they held in their hand. But either way, you're protected. <laughs> yeah. Are you listening? See, that's the condition. If you don't dwell with him and you don't talk about him right, then you can't claim verse 10 and 11. Well, I thought you said, doctor, that he, no evil come near my dwelling. If you do verse 1 and 2 and 3, <laughs> that's the quality, that's the characteristic of that coming out to, to live with you. Isn't that right? See, there's always qualities you have to have to make the thing work. I know this when people come and tell me, I tried that and it didn't work. You're lying. This is real simple. I don't have to tell you that. I don't normally don't tell everybody that I'm thinking that. But you're just not telling the truth about it. Thank you, William. He's nodding. Not that he's guilty, but he's agreeing with me. See, it's not about what you tell me or I tell you. It's about what happens. Of course, I would never say that even if I thought something didn't come to pass. Because I'm just, I knew it. Let me say it this way. If something I did, I thought it was going to work and it didn't work, then I'd, be, I'd man up to that. I wouldn't put it off on you. I wouldn't put it off on her, my wife. Yeah, I wouldn't put it off on God either, for goodness sake, no. Get cross-grained from him. Start blaming him for all my troubles. And I'm sure that in my level, he would talk to me quickly about it. Some things you can get away with a long, long time when you're a baby, but when you've been in Christ 15 years and you're still a baby, you've got some growing to do, honey. You're still a baby and you've been in this church 20 years, you've got some growing to do. That's all I'm saying. Just think with me about this. The Bible works for those who work it. The Bible works and does what it says it'll do if I'll do my part of the covenant. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.